A long, long time ago, when my daughter was a toddler, not just any babysitter could take care of her. Moody and demanding, she put babysitters through their paces. So I cherished our regular, highly skilled babysitter, Nora. Nora had nerves of steel and a flair for the creative. I'd come home after a long day's work and find the entire house transformed into a pirate ship or a dance hall and Nora and my daughter singing sea shanties. This was no work for amateurs. And during those days, one of my friends in the neighborhood, another mom, kept asking me if her 13-year-old daughter, Maria, could give babysitting my daughter a try. Maria, she said, couldn't wait to be a babysitter. She yearned to be a babysitter. Her dream in life and her destiny was to be a babysitter. So one day, when Nora was unfortunately out of town, I did call Maria. She came, watched my daughter for six hours, I think, and when I got home, my daughter was fine, but Maria looked haggard, jaded, shaken to the core. And I asked how things had gone. She shook her head slowly and said, I didn't have any fun. <laughs> and this made me laugh. I don't know why. It just, it seems so ludicrous to me that she would have expected that this was going to automatically be fun, that we were going to provide her with fun. She had the wrong idea about babysitting. I know there are fun moments, but there are also moments that are decidedly not fun. Now, Maria's mother wanted her daughter to score a successful babysitting gig. She wanted that dream of her daughter's to be realized. And in Matthew's Gospel today, Salome, the mother of disciples James and John, she wants nothing less than for her sons to be at Jesus' right and left in the time to come. She says, declare that these two sons of mine will sit one at your right hand, one at your left, in your kingdom. And I love this passage, how it's showcasing the demanding moms out there and their sons and daughters' dreams of glory. I know that feeling, and I know that many of you do too. Maybe you had that kind of mom, or maybe you are that kind of a mom or dad. We want the best for our children, and sometimes we overstep and we meddle, and we get too involved in their lives. Now, in Mark's gospel, written some years earlier, James and John, they visit Jesus, well, they come up to Jesus on their own to ask this big request. But I love that Matthew, when he gets a hold of this story, he adds their mother. Now, when Salome pushes, Jesus pushes back, telling her, you do not know what you're asking. Then turning to the brothers, he challenges them with the question, are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? The cup of suffering, that is, the cup of sacrifice, the cup even of death. 
their sturdy response, and I know they believe it when they say, we are able. Then Jesus issues a stern reminder that God, not they, chooses where they sit in the kingdom. Now, I think in this story, Jesus' message is clear. His way of life, life with him, is not a competition for who can gain a top spot and win best disciple. He reminds his friends, that's how people outside our community behave, lording power over others, tyrannizing others. We get it. This message translates very, very well down through the millennia. Don't be greedy for power and position. The best disciple is the one who thinks of others first. Jesus wants us to think about the world in a completely different way, a way opposite to the way it actually seems to be. Right now we strive for power and prestige, but Jesus says, whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be your slave. Over and over again, Jesus tells his friends that power comes from serving others, from putting others first. It's the constant theme of his teaching, and yet his followers scarcely grasp it, or they hear it, understand it, and then immediately revert to their old ways, and that's what we do too. We hear it, we, we try to grasp it, and then we default to the ways of the world. It's hard to shake off the pressures of society then and now, those all-pervasive messages about who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. Culture then was strong, culture now is strong. And poor James and John's mother in the ancient Near East, her entire status in the world hinged on the success of her sons. So she has everything to gain from their success. It means for her, survival. And as a mother, here's the part of the story that touches my heart. Moments before today's passage, Jesus has taken his disciples aside and said to them for the third time in this chapter, they keep forgetting, denial is strong. He says, see, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised. The disciples hear it and, I believe, instantly forget. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you block that out, the idea of losing your friend? Awareness of that danger that you're in by following your friend? Terrifying. A few days before, Jesus gave them a glimpse of the time to come. He says, truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man is seated on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones and judge the 12 tribes of Israel. James and John gave up their day jobs, dropped what they were doing, hit the road with their friend Jesus. And I have to believe that their mother, whenever she got to see them, whether she followed the crowds that followed Jesus or saw them when they passed near where she was living, I'm sure she would always rush to her sons and say, what did Jesus say? Did he say what's happening next? 
Wait, you're going to Jerusalem? Do you know how dangerous that is? This is what I bet she would say to her sons. I would. I would be flat out terrified if my son were about to follow a beloved teacher right into the jaws of certain death. I'd like to think that I would be brave, but I would be terrified. And so this story touches me. Surely their mother must know the incredible danger that her sons will face choosing this life, this risky life. And grappling with the news that they're headed to Jerusalem, the very seat of the power of the world, I admire how she pushes her way through the crowd, kneels at Jesus' feet, and begs a favor. She is grasping, I believe, for a way to make sense of what's happening, to redeem in her mind the impending loss of her beloved sons, to make it make sense. I'm losing them, but they'll be with Jesus and hopefully right at the top. <laughs> Think how hard all that suffering servant language must be for her to understand how hard it is to understand the kind of redeeming Jesus has in mind, his willingness to suffer so that we can wake up and understand how to sacrifice ourselves too. Not just sacrifice, but abandon ourselves to serving others as Jesus did every moment of his life. And I wonder if James and John's mother could make sense of Jesus' words that day. Did she just feel fear for the future? Or did Jesus' meaning start to enter our heart? That can be our prayer for her and our prayer for ourselves that the Holy Spirit will help us understand and hold on to that knowledge. So what about us? If we really stop and, and think again, aren't we, aren't we like James and John and their mother, chasing recognition, acceptance, success? And I wonder, what is greatness for you? Is it time to think again about your idea of what counts as success. And if we start to believe what Jesus says, that greatness comes from giving and surrendering to the needs of others, what are we willing to give? Jesus came to serve us, gave us everything, so how can we serve? Today we remember James, our Saint James, patron saint of our church, the first disciple to lose his life, beheaded by Herod, a martyr. I think of his mother. Her worst fears came true, and perhaps she also felt immense pride. So how can we live by this example, not by losing our heads, I hope, but losing our old selves so we can be born anew? 
our beautiful baptisms this morning mean being born anew. And right now, you get to watch it happen. Amen.